Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, thank you, Mr. Kelly. And folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. Right now, you can call 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any kind of questions, concerns, or comments that you may have. And thanks for having me on your show. And uh, we can talk about plant selection. We can talk about the ups and downs. What should you be doing with your annuals that may be not performing exactly like what you would want them, that you have had great luck with them, and suddenly they're getting a little tired or weak? Or maybe they're getting too big. I have some annuals in a window box in our kitchen window, and Tracy said, you know that one plant, which is a begonia, it's kind of big. So I think maybe today I will cut some of that back for her. How about the bulbs? I have some canna bulbs in pots. They are getting so many stems coming up. It's This is a plastic pot, I have to admit, but uh, it's cracking the side of the pot. So crazy nutty growth ground covers i've got sedum acre that's the one that i talk about between the sidewalk and street and then i have a uh, creeping jenny which a yellow version and i have that mixed in with some of the sedum acre how about your house plants start to get them ready watch them closely for insects diseases and problems because in another eh, probably four to six weeks you're going to be bringing them inside. Your lawn, cool season lawn versus a warm season lawn. I fertilized my zoysia for the final time this past Wednesday. So that's going to be it for fertilizing for that. Your perennials, your iris and things like that, go ahead and start cutting the foliage back. Anything where the foliage is starting to turn brownish or yellowish, Go ahead and cut. I've got some Asiatic lilies. I've cut them back too. Knockout roses. I got four knockout roses. I did the final fertilizing on them uh, on Wednesday as well. And they have been nothing but spectacular this entire season as far as growth goes. And uh, to kind of revert back, uh, one of them I just didn't cut back at all, you know, when. you know, after the first flush, and there's really not any difference between the performance of all four of them. The one that I didn't cut back seems to bloom a little bit ahead of the other three. But uh, how about your trees, your shrubs, your water gardens? I'll share my thoughts, and always remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. Emily's here producing, though she's doing working on the podcast, and Greg's here answering the phone. So if you have a question or concern, just give your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I do landscape consulting, so if you'd like for me to come to your home and do what I call a walk and talk, where I evaluate from an aesthetic or problem-solving standpoint, today after the show, I'm actually headed to Town & Country, right off 40 and Mason. You can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number, and you can contact me, and we can set up a time where I'll come to your home. So I'm still doing that, and uh, no. Special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. 
That's called the tip of the trowel. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The fifth annual Taste in Ferguson event to raise scholarship money for Ferguson youth. It features food from over 20 vendors. The fifth annual Taste in Ferguson will be held September 10th at the Savoy Banquet Center on 11, or 119 South Florissant Road in Ferguson. Attendees will sample food from popular restaurants from across the region, including, well, various, just various things. Smokehouse, yeah, I know the people that actually own the Smokehouse. But there's Paul's Market, there's Whistle Stop, there's Starbucks, there's Raising Cane, there's Sugar Fire, just to name a few. This year's theme is... The Year of the Champions. So all the restaurants are going to be competing in five different categories. Chicken, barbecue, international dessert, and pizza for cash prizes, trophy, and bragging rights. So, again, that's in Ferguson on September 10th. Also, Tower Grove Park, one of my earliest childhood memories because my family lived in that neighborhood before they moved to Ellisville in 55. And consequently, they are going to be sharing the master plan for anybody that would like to attend. And that's going to be on August 30th. So August 30th, 6 to 9, and that's going to be basically what it is. It's the master plan to take Tower Grove Park to the next level. Tower Grove Park was actually part of Henry Shell's Botanical Garden, not technically that, but it was a, an area that he just gave to the city. And now it has been a fantastic park ever since. And the park's planning firm, Roadside and Harrell, they are Harwell, and they're going to be there, too. The planning process will conclude in September, and this is going to be their last opportunity to maybe have some input. The new master plan aims to continue and strengthen Tower Grove Park's unique role as a place for all communities, both today and in the future, preserve the park's historic features like landscape and character, and upgrade the park's amenities and everything else as well. So, Two very unique things. Shows you what the whole metropolitan area is about. Tower Grove Park, master plan sharing, and then Ferguson, the fifth annual Taste in Ferguson. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you're growing herbs... This is the time to get out into your herb garden or your herb plants for the best aroma and best flavor. So morning time and minimize fertilizing and watering as well because you do too much of that stuff, you drown them as far as flavor and everything goes. Gloria lives in St. Louis Hills. Hi, Gloria. I'm a Three questions. One has to do with junipers. We have about a dozen in a row as a privacy barrier Mm -hmm. uh, between us and another property, and they're very lush on top, but the insides are bare. And um, I was told years ago to just cut the top flat, and that'll allow more sunlight to come in, and they'll fill out. Is that still an accepted way of of pruning them, and what time of year do you do that? Now, are these upright junipers, or are they types that spread out like with arms? Well, <laughs> I think they do both. Uh, they're, they're planted close together, so they're basically uprights. Yeah, so what happens is, you know, topping them off, that's not going to allow that much more light in there. And to be honest with you, those areas in the interior, if you look at any juniper anywhere, 
that's not, let's say, relatively young or new, you're not going to see any needles. You're not going to see any needles in a spruce tree, in a pine tree, or anything else close to the trunk because there's just not enough light. And what happens as a plant ages also, any potential buds that are in there that could have been needles are no longer going to be functional. So you're just going to end up with the top of it looking very strange and also potentially sunburning. So this is just what happens when you try to grow junipers. Okay, so should I try to round them off and give them some shape or just let them go the way they are? I would say just leave them alone. Okay. We always have to do stuff to everything. And just, I mean, as long as they're still functioning, if I don't know how much space that you have for them, but just realize that, you know, as time goes on, there's going to be more and more, you know, you're still going to have needles, leaves, or whatever on the exterior, but the inside is going to be bare. There's no getting around it. And the is same there, thing the same thing happens with boxwood, broadleaf evergreens, uh, rhododendrons, azaleas, the whole thing. Should I re- remove some of that dead wood on the inside or just leave it alone? Well, you probably have more important things to do than that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Then the other question I have is about hydrangea. I um, inadvertently cut some of those dry-looking stalks away last winter Mm -hmm. uh, and got very little uh, bloom this season, got prolific bloom last season. How long does it take for them to come back so that they bloom? Basically, it's going to produce flower buds for the next year, this year, depending upon what variety it is. It could be if it's a PG, then it's, you know, the flower buds are being formed right now because they're a spring bloomer. Some of the other ones that bloom in the summertime, they form their buds next year when the new growth starts. So just don't prune them. Just leave it alone. Yes. And then the last question is uh, relative to maiden grass. If several maiden grass also as a privacy border mm-hmm. and they're they're not standing upright like the commercial maiden grass you see in landscape uh, areas. Uh, these are kind of floppy and laying on the ground at some point. Is there any pruning to them that will uh, allow them to stand up straighter? Are they in full sun? Yes. And so you're watering them and everything else? Yes. Okay, so basically, it, you know, they're clump growers. So they migrate out from the original plant where the core of the plant is going to be basically nothing. There's no blades or anything. You're only going to have blades on the exterior. So as that happens, depending upon how old they are, then this you know sort of bending over, that's going to happen later in the season with every maiden grass. You know, so I mean, there's not. I mean, the pruning or anything else is not going to make that much difference. Okay, so just leave them alone the way they are. Exactly. Okay. All right, Mike. Thank you. Sure. And I mean, some people get a little bit nutty. I don't want to say that, but I mean, they put bungee cords around their main grass to hold it up, especially during the wintertime because they can shatter and you can end up with all those blades all over the place. And some of them are relatively long. So now let's go to Oakville and into Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, thanks for being there. I appreciate your advice on uh, all the questions people uh, bring you. Uh, I have a question on a banana tree. Ah. Uh, last year I bought one at a produce place. It was only, you know, uh, a foot high. I planted it, and we have a ranch-style house, and it w- got up past the gutter. I <laughs> uh, loved it and uh, dug it up, put a, a black plastic bag around it, and stored it in our uh, garage, which is heated so it didn't get below 55 degrees. Great. I replanted it. It was about oh, five feet tall. And instead of growing up this year, 
it grew out. It seems like there's four more stalks exactly on the bottom, and uh, I was wondering if I could separate those and uh, put them in different pots for next year, and when would be a good time to do that? I would probably, yes, you can do that. So basically what you're going to do is those, they're colony formers. So that's why you're seeing all these suckers coming off the base. So I, if you can, I don't know how big the root ball is and if you feel like fooling with it. And if you do it now, what you can do is you can put them in pots, but you're probably going to have to bring them inside. I just leave the root system intact the way it is with these suckers. And then next year when you're getting ready to put it back outside, that's when I would cut these pups or these young plants off the side of it. What you want to make sure you do is after you do that, leave the young ones that you've cut off laying just by themselves until the sort of where you made the cut heals so it's not sticky or wet anymore. Uh-huh. And then you can grow them in pots, you can grow them in the ground, grow them in however you want. Well, these aren't little puppies. These are like eight inches around. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I just meant pups from the standpoint that it's from, you know, it's off the mother plant. The ma- okay, yeah, because that thing's a monster. Right. So, you, I mean, you're going to have a banana farm. So it's going to be Dave's <laughs> Banana Farm in Oakville. Stop by. Well, this year there were s- small bananas that right. came out of it. You know, not <laughs> edible, but uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So uh, when, when's a good time to do that? Uh, basically, when you get ready to take it out, if you're going to store it in your garage again, when mm-hmm. you get ready to move it outside, that's when you want to do the dividing. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, you could probably do it now. It probably wouldn't hurt, but I would just wait. And I'm assuming you cut the trunks off of them, too, when you move them inside. Right. Yes, exactly. All the leaves are off, and okay. I just bring the big stalk in the main trunk. Right. In. Perfect. Good. Well, thank you. Certainly. And now let's go. Well, we should probably take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, I had a real surprise this week in my landscape. You know, I live in South St. Louis next to Christie Park, blah, 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 blah. But uh, on, let's see, probably on Tuesday or maybe Monday, probably Tuesday, I, you know, I take walks in the morning, kind of at dawn or whatever. And I walked past this uh, shrub on, on the corner of our house or close, and I thought, what is that smell? And I thought, hmm, this doesn't smell good. So I took a look, and what happened was an opossum decided to die underneath the shrubs by our front door. And so I was too busy. I couldn't fool around with it right then. And also I didn't have any latex gloves. So I just left it there for a day. And whoa, that smell got to be horrendous. So finally I got it cleaned up. But why that stupid opossum had to die in my yard instead of the neighbor's yard, I don't know. I don't understand. But anyway, let's go to Freeburg, Illinois and in the Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Yes, hi, uh this is Ken over in Freeburg. I've got a problem with a uh, uh, some oak trees dying. The uh, leaves are falling off, and uh, you know, probably a third of the leaves in the canopy up in the tree is very light. Uh, I had a tree uh, guy look at it that basically removes uh, trees. Look at it yesterday, mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, you could leave it stand, but." And, and maybe it'll come out next spring, but he doubted it. I just wondered if, and I have several, there, it's a white oak tree, and I have several of them in my yard that 
this, 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 the leaves, especially the lower leaves, are really wilted bad and, and falling off. I think it may be related to weather, but also I would get a soil test done and then find out what your soil pH is, especially if your you know if your leaf color is losing the greenness and it's kind of going to a chartreuse or a yellowish color. That means your soil has gotten kind of gotten bad from that standpoint, from an acidic standpoint, and from maybe a nutrient standpoint. So before I would cut anything down, I would, you know, I would agree. I would get a soil test done, find out if you can do something to help them. Nothing, I don't know how big these trees are or how old or anything else, but it's going to take a while to get them back to, you know, to recovery state. It's just like anything is going to, you know, that's kind of gotten downhill a little bit. So I think weather has played a role, but I also think the nutrient level, the pH, and every other qualities in your soil is having an impact too. Yeah, these are trees that are uh, 18, 20 inches in diameter or, and larger, uh, well-established. I've lived here uh, 45 years, and uh, I have lost, in the last few years, I've lost four or five uh, white oaks. And, right. Uh, so, I don't know. I would say get a soil test done, find out what's going on in the ground. I would say okay. that's as much as anything. Right. It's kind of like when you go to a doctor, they tell you to go out and have you know a blood test done because otherwise it's just going to be a guess. Okay. So get the uh, soil test done and find out from there. If you want to, after you get the soil test done. Now, there's private companies. I don't know if the University of Illinois does soil testing anymore or not, but I know there's a company in Belleville that does soil testing. You know, go online, look at you know soil testing in Belleville. They may send you the kit and just tell you exactly how to go about doing it. All right. Thank you very much. Yep, because it's strictly a guess. But if it's losing color and the foliage and all this other stuff, and maybe you just have too many trees in your yard as well. Let's go now from Freeburg to Salem, Illinois, and into Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Hey, I just I want to give you some opinion uh, update on some of the great advice you gave me a number of years ago. I uh, I had two maple trees planted, uh, hard maples. Uh, they're called Oktoberfest, for, if that means anything. Mm-hmm. They're a smooth bark. One of them had developed a what I'm going to call a canker, and you said I had a couple of options. I could have somebody come in and uh, look at it or cut them down and start over again, which I didn't want to do. By the way, it was during that real, real bad drought that we had just a week or two before right. that started. And uh, I had somebody come in. Uh, your office gave me three or four names from Metro East. He looked at that, and he says, it'll be fine. He sprayed some goop on it. And that that canker has completely healed over now, and the trees are about eight in diameter. They're extremely slow growing. Absolutely, uh, it's developed a little bit. It had back then developed a little lean, and he thought that would be okay too. Do those things ever straighten up? <laughs> well, if the lean's caused by another tree in close proximity, no. But no. if it's you know if it's out on its own in the full sun, uh, probably no either. If it's that yeah. you know, if it's that size and that age, they're not going. It's not going to straighten itself. And then, just just as an aside, you had given me some advice on a couple of dogwoods about the same time. Uh, one of them was twenty five years old; it did die. The other one was around twenty. It's still living, but it has lost all its bark. And I'm out in front of a coffee shop with a lot of background. I hope you can hear me. But anyway, that little little tree, it it keeps blooming. It's it's not hardy, but it just keeps blooming. And I'm loath to cut it down because my uh, my girls help me while they supervise while I 
find it, and one of my girls has passed away, and I just do not want to cut it down, but you had given me some excellent advice on those trees, too, and I appreciate it. Well, great. Well, good luck, and I'm glad your tree is still giving you some you know, rewards and memories and things like that. So thanks, Rick. Now let's stay in Illinois, east-central Illinois, and that's where Jerry lives. Hi, Jerry. Hello there. Uh, i got a couple questions for you, sir. Yeah. Uh, my first question is, I've got some of those teacup roses. got two of them. I've named them uh, Mom and Norm. They're uh, doing really well, blooming really well. I was just wondering, when do I uh, cut them back and shape them for the uh, fall time? Basically, you want to, if you're just shaping them for the sake of shaping, are you cutting them back for winter, you know, let's say going to sleep, dormancy? Maybe, uh, for dormancy. Basically, you want to wait till the frost kills the leaves. Okay. So don't do it too soon. Sometimes that could be at Thanksgiving. Okay. So and after first real good cold snap. Right. Exactly. Okay, and the uh, second thing I've got is out behind my garage. I had a new garage built a couple years ago. Uh, I've got some real tall, I guess you'd call them broadleaf weeds. They're about the height of the garage, about 20 feet now. Whoa. And they got some uh, dark purple berries on them. But I'd like to find out is how do I get rid of them stupid things? <laughs> well, I got them blocked off from the dogs because I was afraid of uh, the dogs getting back there and getting hold of some of them berries and getting sicker. Right. Well, or, this plant that you have is called pokeweed. Now, poke salad, Annie, was a song from the 60s. You can actually eat the leaves in a salad, but the berries are not good. You want to keep them away. What, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a perennial weed, so next year, just you cut them down now. Just get them, get rid of them, cut them entirely down. Next year, when the foliage starts coming up, because it's going to reemerge from the root system, start spraying Roundup or painting Roundup on it. If there's other stuff around us, you don't want the Roundup to get onto. But it take, it could their root system, their tap root, as big as they are, it could go down like four to five feet. So just realize that. So this is pokeweed, P-O-K-E, and you can check it out on the Internet as well. Cut them down. Then next year when the new growth starts, spray them with Roundup. Okay. How long will it take to kill them silly things off? It could take a couple of years, to be honest with you, because, oh. I mean, you're gonna, they're going to wilt, but they, if depending upon how well established the root system are, they can come back you know, from the root system, come back, come back. So it may, it's not a one application and think, kiss it goodbye because that's not you know i mean that would be great it may happen that way but it may not okay and also on my yard in the backyard after they uh put the garage in i'm starting to see some long broadleaf type weeds in the yard and it's used right up close to the driveway right and i keep spraying that stuff with roundup and it doesn't do any good this late in the season, the herbicides are going to be less and less effective because of the cuticle on the surface of the leaf, which is waxy. Next year, just go out there. Maybe don't use Roundup, but just try using like a Weed Be Gone, a broadleaf weed killer. But as soon as you start to see the new growth there, go after it right then because that's the best time to kill any kind of weed is early in the season. Okay. 
I appreciate your time, sir. Well, great. Well, thanks, Jerry. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 minutes to go, and then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold, 11 o'clock, KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby, 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman's show, and 3 o'clock, The Business of Family Business with Ryan Recker. So, Cool name, Wrecker, man. Anyway, Carl lives in St. Louis County. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hey, what kind of, what do you suggest for a good fertilizer for zoysia? Uh, basically, you're not going to fertilize this time of year, right? Well, I didn't know. I thought you said you just fertilized Yeah, it. for the last time this year. I fertilize monthly. I start as soon as it starts greening up, you know, sometime late April, early May, monthly, all the way up until, you know, late August. Yeah, well, I guess I had, uh, I think I only managed to fertilize about once this so far this year, which isn't good, <laughs> but I guess I wanted to put one more on this fall. Yeah, I would probably go with something like a 2010-10 or something along that line. Okay. All right, I'll do that. Thank Great. you very much. You, you, What do you think about this organic fertilizer that sometimes... Ah, it's up to you. You know, I mean... Uh, I personally, what I use is Liquifeed, you know, which I just hose, screw into the end of my hose with an attachment type thing. But, um, you know, that's just a personal choice. I switch them around year in, year out. I don't use the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And if you use something like Melorganite, if that's what you're talking about, just no, the analysis is kind of low and uh, may not cre- create the impact you want. There's some other organic fertilizers that... Uh I mean, I know my one nursery kind of specializes in, but... Yeah, it's really a personal choice more so than anything. So thanks, Carl. Let's go to Rob and Webster Groves. Hi, Rob. Hi. I am in a situation where I have a bed of liriope lining a sidewalk out in full sun, and over the years I've always had a little bit of a nutgrass problem, but I've been able to overcome that just by pulling it this year it has kind of gone a little bit crazy and it keeps building and more and more nutgrass and i hesitate to use any sort of you know nutgrass sprays or anything on that because the liriope being a grass i was wondering if you had any suggestions as to how i might be able to handle that basically if you use sedge ender by a company by bonide it will not impact this late in the season. Don't bother spraying because it's not going to do a thing. You know, you could even kill the make it look like you've killed the blades, but the root system is going to be there. So next year, just watch it closely. As soon as you start to see the nutgrass, obviously you know what it looks like. Just use this sedge ender. It won't impact your liriope. Great, thank you. Yep. yep. And now let's go from Webster Groves to Belleville, and that's where Mark lives. Hi, Mark. Mike. Good morning. Hi. Hey, um, first of all, I've had excellent luck this year using a very well-known commercial food for my vegetables and flowering plants. And I want to thank you for that because I followed your recommendation and cut the uh, label dosage in half before application. So thanks for the good advice. Great. Now, I'm ready to get out my spreader for the lawn. I was wondering if that might be a good thing uh, with my spreader to cut back on dosage. I like to. What I'd like to do is cut back on the amount they say, and maybe do a, do two applications. Where ultimately you may end up with the same amount. 
But I'm assuming okay. you're talking about a cool season lawn, fescue or bluegrass, and sure. you're using a, a you know a fall treatment type thing. Drop spreader, yeah. Yeah. So you know, cut it in half, and then do a second application a couple weeks later. A couple weeks later. Okay. Yeah. One more question, real quick. Um, I've got this uh, climbing rose on the southeast side of my house. I, I guess it's a tea rose. Every spring, it gets these really beautiful little tiny pink flowers. And I only get one flush, and then that's it. Uh, it grows vines all summer long. I'm right. constantly cutting them back, but I never see any more flowers. Basically, that's what the climbers, that. the climbing roses, that's what it does. It's one big okay. boom early on, you know, in May, and then that's it. One and done. Okay. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. Sure. And now let's go from Belleville of Florissant into Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Uh, yes. I planted a... Um Maiden grass, five-gallon bucket, and I was wondering, does that have enough time to take root before winter? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a perfect time to plant almost anything. Ground is warm. That you know really encourages and really accelerates root growth, and then the plants get to go to sleep for the wintertime. So fall is by far the best time to plant. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, and the maiden grass, just make sure with anything anybody's planting, the hole should be three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So you want the top, the crown of the plant, higher than the surrounding ground, even with something like a maiden grass, which can take a wetter soil. And just make sure for the first at least 10 to 12 to 14 days that you're looking at it closely and you're probably watering it, especially if it's windy or extremely hot. So good luck with that, Susan. And now let's go to Mark, and Mark lives in Arnold. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, I uh, have a, uh, a natural stone wall in, in front of my, my house, and I, um, uh, we made it into a, a flower bed. Ah. And in the, in the corner, you know, there's a, uh, it kind of goes around the side of the house, and so I get a lot of wind on it. So I tried a uh, dogwood, and it uh, did okay for a couple of years, and then uh, we had one bad winter, and uh, it, just, it, it just died. So we tried another uh, kind of a uh, bush. Normally, I keep the tags, and I can't find this one. But it's uh, it's uh, a bushy. Um, it's got yeah. Uh, it's a little bitty, tiny yellow flowers, and it's purple and dark green leaves. I've uh, it is very invasive. It uh, took over my whole garden, and uh, it still has the upright uh, like twigs. But uh, all the shoots are all over the place. So uh, my wife wanted to get rid of it, so I cut it down and I applied some um, localized Roundup and stuff. I can't kill it. I dug it up, and I still get the sprouts everywhere. Right. What what should I do? You're just going to have to keep persistent, 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 and persistent. Because basically what happens is... Things that colonize like that, they're sending these runners out all over the place. And then each runner, you know, if it's sending growth up above the ground, it's also sending root systems there. So you could kill, rip up the root system and everything up to that point, but uh, you're not really getting rid of the entire plant. So it's just going to, you're going to have to just keep digging and digging and digging. Okay. Uh, And spraying. Still uh, paint the Roundup on on those because I I hate to kind of spray the Roundup because I don't want to affect the rest of the bed. Right, you can definitely just paint the you know and get Roundup for killing woody plants. Don't get normal woody Roundup. Okay. okay, it'll say kill, poison ivy killer. 
Okay. Very Great. good. Yep. And Thank let's stay in Arnold and go to Doris. And Doris lives, as I said, in Arnold. You're going to have to do it a little quickly, Doris. Uh, no problem. I have a forsythia bush that I planted about two years ago, and I trimmed it after it bloomed. However, it's grown considerably since then. Uh, can you still trim that at this time of the year? You can prune it. Won't hurt the plant whatsoever, but you're not having any flowers or you have a lot less flowers if you prune it now. So is it better just to leave it go, even though it's gotten considerably taller? I right. mean, it seems like a good year for growth. So. Well, it is. And variety-wise, certain uh, forsythia get huge. There are smaller varieties as well. So you can just wait and enjoy the spring flowers and then prune it at that time. And just prune it more in right. the spring then than I did this year. I exactly. Suppose. Well, thanks, Doris, and thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.